What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to a Maps Step Back podcast. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam, I spaz like Dallas. Seth thought I'm rapping, God. If Luca shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking hats, dang, go relax. Still at the champ, Defense still coming with the calibers. Flow the master, best. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Step Back of Mavs podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co host and Sports Illustrated Dallas basketball colleague, Matt Galatson. And on this eve of Dallas Mavericks basketball, Matt, how about you go ahead and introduce our guest for tonight? Okay, uh, everybody, this is uh, a record holder for our all time most listened episode. He also is the host of the will kane show on espn it's will kane will how you doing i'm the record holder of most listened to podcasts of all time all 41 episodes well sob i'm happy and proud i really am (laughs) and you are also the guest on our 41st episode which of course this being a mass yeah it's 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 a huge episode so we figured we'd do it big and i'm proud thank you boys no, so, Will, I, uh, before we get started on basketball talk, um, I figured, you know, this is a very big weekend for the both of us, and I just, I, I needed to ask, is the Dak Prescott-Carson Wentz debate finally over? <laughs> uh, do you guys think I'm overdoing that a little bit? <laughs> I love it, personally. I, I mean, I actually agree with you, so <laughs> I don't think you're overdoing it at all. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you, this is motivated about uh, out of a couple of different uh, places. Number one, I truly believe it. I don't even think it's a close debate, and I don't even know what the Carson Wentz stands, the Carson Wentz fans, the Carson Wentz choir has to preach on anymore. I do not know at this point what you rely upon besides draft status and scouting report. Back wins on everything, so I believe it because it's true. Second. I do get a little kick out of being the only guy at ESPN that says this stuff and everybody else tells me I'm crazy or a hot taker or a contrarian and just taking names and remembering everybody that says Carson is better than Dak because I just feel like I've been vindicated, man. (laughs) I mean, I I couldn't agree more, uh, to be honest. I was watching that game and it's it's really not even close in my opinion. I, I used to think it was a little closer, but that was just, that game just served as it doesn't get any you know more clear than that after that just dominant performance by Dak and and Philly, just you know crying all the way to the locker room. It was it was really wonderful to see. And look and look, I, I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan too, and I, I really enjoyed that win. But I think what I enjoyed more than anything else was watching Luca give Jalen Brunson crap in the in the, one of the suites <laughs> that they were staying in. That 
That was really fun. But uh, you know, yeah, like we mentioned, Will, this is our forty-first episode, our Dirk episode, I guess. And uh, the Mavs—they're gonna open the 2019-2020 season tomorrow night at home against the Washington Wizards. It's gonna be the first season without Dirk since 1998. I mean, what what are your initial thoughts on uh, the Mavs opening? Uh, their season without Dirk for the first time in forever. I mean, what's that going to be like? It's sad. Um, the only the only balance to the sadness is obviously the optimism and excitement we all have about Luca and Porzingis, but really Luca. Uh, and I don't mean to disrespect Porzingis. There, we're all excited about Porzingis, but Luca feels like the heir apparent. He is the heir apparent to the Dirk legacy in Dallas, and that's the only thing that softens the blow a little bit. But it's not how I envisioned it ending, and it's not my story to write. It's Dirk's story to write, so don't get me wrong. There's no negativity in saying this. It's just I always had this vision in my head that Dirk would adopt this role where he would come off the bench, he would be the leader, and he would be a three-point bombing specialist and his game would age really well in that way. And it would be something valuable to a championship-level team. And the Mavericks aren't there yet, and Dirk's done already. But I just thought that would be the end of Dirk's career. Like, that's the way to cap it off. Like, the sixth, seventh man on a championship team. And I hoped it would be, obviously, in Dallas. But like I said, it's not my story to write. And I love that Dirk is independent. Some say I have a little bit of an independent streak. I value what he does and how he does his life. He's not really here for how everybody else wants it to end. It's how he wanted it to end. Yeah, and I look, and it's not like he didn't have the opportunity to go to different places either. He had a lot of different opportunities. He could have, you know, chosen to finish out his career a different way, and uh, he could have chased a ring, but. You know, he he always said getting that title in 2011 pretty much cemented that he would never go anywhere. And, I mean, it, it's just amazing the career and the, uh, the continuity he put together in Dallas. And like you said, it's sad to see him go, but, I mean, Dirk's going to do Dirk no matter what. And yeah. he's not he's not crying over it. He's enjoying the family. He's getting to do whatever he you know whatever he wants to do now. So uh, it was a good time, but it's over now. And uh, I'm I'm ready to get things started here with Luca and KP and see where they can take this thing. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. So I, obviously, I'm I'm going to the game tomorrow night, and I have never been to a Mavericks game where Dirk hasn't at least been in the building. And I don't know if he's going to be there or not. So it's it's going to be very weird, you know, going into the locker room and him not being there and, you know, not seeing him come into roaring applause. And um, But, you know, like Will said, it's very encouraging what we saw in the preseason and what we've seen with Luca so far and with with KP and all that. So it's just it's just a really exciting time. You know, it's one last point to tie the ribbon on the Dirk observations. First of all, Matt, and I'm sure this applies to Dalton as well, you guys are so young and so blessed to have only seen the Mavericks <laughs> in the Dirk era. You telling me you've never been 
well, to, it was then Reunion Arena, to see the Three J's, or you never saw Roy Tarpley, <laughs> or you didn't see the magical run to the Western Conference Finals with Aguirre and Blackman. Those were the days, boys. Let me tell you, those were the days. <laughs> okay, actually. Well, <laughs> last one on Derek is what I wanted to say is, and I think I may have said this the last time I was on your pod. I'm not. I'm not sure, but. Um, I think this is the. I think this is one of the the biggest um, praises and testaments to Dirk that you could give. I am a Cowboys fan more than a Mavs fan. I'm both, right? But if I'm ranking my Dallas fandom and what I'm most dedicated to, it goes Cowboys, then Mavs, then Rangers and Stars in some order. And it's a Cowboys town. I'm not alone in that respect. It's a Cowboys state. And the guys that are heroes of the Dallas Cowboys are the tops of the totem pole, the Roger Staubachs, the Troy Aikmans, the Emmett Smiths. And I'm here to tell you that I believe because of what you said, Dalton, because of the loyalty, because of the one hard-earned title, because of the character of Dirk, I really don't know, and I can't speak obviously for the whole city, but I'm a born and bred, died in the wool, Dallas sports fan. I don't know that I have more love for any Dallas athlete in its history than I do for Dirk Nowitzki. In a Cowboys town, in a football city, I think Dirk is the most beloved sports figure that I can think of. Yeah. No, yeah, that's absolutely true because if you if you start a Mount Rushmore of Dallas athletes, everybody's going to start with Dirk. There's no question about it. I don't think there's anybody else you could start it with. Maybe you can make an argument for, like, Roger Staubach or one of the guys from the the 90s Cowboys teams, but odds are you're going to pick Dirk. Well, let's do it. Hold on, yeah. let's do it. I, 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 I'll at least nominate our four. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Can we go first? Will you go, <laughs> Will, you go first, and we'll fill okay. in. Okay. Um... There's only four. That's the problem with Rushmore. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously Dirk and Staubach are on there. That's that's right away. Um, I think Aikman has to go. The problem with it's picking Aikman, Emmett, and Irvin is, is the problem. And then, so I'm Aikman has to go. So Staubach, Aikman, and Dirk. And I got to give Mike Madonna some love too in here because he really he's beloved. It's just that hockey isn't on this level. So right. hold on, I'm going to take Madonna off. Madonna just just missed the cut, and I love Mike Madonna. <laughs> I think it's got to be, I think it's got to be Michael Irvin. I think he's the fourth. I was just thinking Michael Irvin. I was like, I, I'm wondering if he's going to put him on there or not. But uh, like you said, I I mean Dirk's number one for me. I think he would be on there with uh, Staubach, like you said. I'd put Emmett Smith and uh, Michael Irvin. So that 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 would be that would be my four, Matt. Yeah. So Dirk number one. Um, I'm I'm gonna pivot away from you a little bit, Will. I'm gonna go with Mike Madonna just because he was so huge in bringing that Stanley Cup to Dallas, and he was so he was so huge in turning Dallas into. You know, when it's not a football town, it's it. When the stars are good, it it's it turns into a hockey town, and he had a lot to do with that. Um, I remember watching him when I was in middle school, and that that was a really fun time. And um, but then, you know, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add Emmett Smith because he's the best running back ever. And I almost added Nolan Ryan, but he wasn't in, in uh, a Ranger long enough. 
So I'll go with Aikman because I never saw Staubach play. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you can't leave. You can't leave off Staubach, boys. Both of you. That's that's a, that's that's about your youth right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I just I have a hard time since I never saw him play. Like I I literally have never seen a game of his played even on TV. So I I don't have a lot of experience with Staubach. I've met him before. He's a very nice man. But I've always had a, I've always had a I've always been partial to, to Aikman. So you know, there it is. And look, this is this is a little bit of a shift away from from our Mount Rushmore stuff, but just just branching off of what we were talking about with Dirk and you know his time in Dallas and what he accomplished and like the tone he set for the franchise. Uh, Will we were, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, the Mavs culture change with uh, Luca and KP and you know them kind of taking the torch from Dirk and we had Mark Cuban on the pod last week. And hey, I saw that. I saw it. And you're telling me I got more, more, more uh, listens than Mark Cuban. You said most listened to. Does that include Cuban? Yes, that it includes does. Cuban. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his <spouse>, Mark Cuban. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that is, that is a fact. You, <laughs> you got more than Mark Cuban so far. Yeah, hey, else. Hey, so far at least he's still, hey, okay. it's only a week okay. fresh. So, okay. All but, right. <laughs> But we we brought this question up to Mark, and you know on a on Mavs Media Day, Rick Carlisle talked about it a little bit, and he kind of he's I think the word he used was it was kind of scary <laughs> to think that these two young kids are you know going to take over and kind of reshape the culture. And then when we talked to Mark, he said, "Well, no, I mean they're not going they're not going to reshape it. They they just they're they're going to maintain." what was already built with Dirk. And I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think it's more of a, you know, they're going to fit in and maintain what, what is already there, or are they going to make their own thing with the Mavs? No, they're going to make their own thing. I'm really surprised to hear Mark Cuban say that. It may just be out of love and respect for Dirk. But that's just, that's that's not, that's not possible. It's not possible to maintain uh, the same kind of culture that you had with a guy who was there for that long and is now gone. Now, maybe Mark was talking about it in terms of quality or positive culture, maybe some of the same traits, you know? Right. But you wouldn't even want that for them. I wouldn't. If I were the owner or the manager or the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, I would not say, hey, guys, go be Dirk or go do the exact way Dirk did, even though – Dirk did it the right way. You know, you want to learn from him if you're Luca. Uh, you want to learn from him to the limited amount of time that Porzingis had around him. But then you've got to take that stuff that you learn, those virtues, those values, those principles, and you got to make them your own. You know, right. I just think it's a mistake to try to be somebody else and do it somebody else's way. I'll tell you this in radio, I study everybody. I really do. I listen to a ton. I don't presume I'm perfect. I don't presume that I'm a finished product. And I listen to, you name them. I have studied them. What do they do well? What do they do poorly? What can I take from them? Uh, But none of that, at the end of the day, means I'm not going to be me. You know what I mean? I don't want to be an amalgamation of all these people I've studied. Just because I've taken traits or positive things they do, doesn't mean I'm trying to emulate them. In the end, it's all things that I add into my tool belt to just help me be me. And so I want Luca and Chris Tops and whoever is the leader of this team. Uh, by the way, are we going to put it beyond the pale that Jalen Brunson's one of the leaders of this team? Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Whoever, whoever that may be, makes this culture their own. Yeah, Matt, what's your thoughts on that? What what we heard from Mark last week, and you know, versus what Will just told us. Well, I agree with Will. I mean, it's not only is it next to impossible to to replicate everything that Dirk did, or really anything that Dirk did. He was he was so unselfish and so. I mean, just one of the hardest workers you'll ever see and, you know, did everything the right way, like Will said. And But part of what made Dirk Dirk was that he did figure it out on his own. And he had to go through a horrendous rookie season and with, a, with an inexperienced team, and he had to learn to put those guys on his shoulders and be a leader and, you know, kind of be responsible all on his own and turning around a franchise that had just been destitute for, you know, since the eighties. And by the way, Will, I, I did, I did watch the Mavs in the nineties. I just try to black that out a little bit. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was a very hard time. <laughs> well, I, I was five years old when Dirk came into the league. I didn't really get into the NBA basket. I, I've been a basketball fan all my life, but I didn't get into NBA basketball until I was around nine or 10 or so. So, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be really weird for me <laughs> starting this season. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's really hard in today's NBA with all the player movement and, you know, loyalty just isn't what it used to be. And that's a two-way street. It can go for both the franchises and the players. But, uh, I mean, I, I agree. It, it's going to be tough for it to be similar uh, or anything close, really, uh, to what Dirk had with Dallas. And we can hope that Luka stays for, you know, 20 years and uh, that KP and Luka can play together for that long or whatever, like they like they hope. But, I mean, the, re- the reality of it is it, it's probably not going to happen. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the modern-day NBA. And you uh... – I don't even want to think about that. No, <laughs> look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he won't he won't stay for a long time. I just think you know, you know, once it gets up to a point where, like, say say Luke has been with the Mavs for you know ten years, ten eleven years or something, and he still hasn't won a title. I think he would be the type to you know kind of enter, entertain moving on more than Dirk would. I'll put it that way. So, well, this, this, let me, let me tie together in two subjects that are hanging out there. Um, the importance of culture. All right. Whether it's Mark or Rick Carlisle or the model of Dirk, the importance of it is look, everybody goes, yeah, of course, culture is important. Let me give you an example where it failed. And it's what Matt just brought up. So if you watch basketball in the nineties, if you watch the Mavericks in the nineties, let me tell you something that three J's, um, squad was really exciting on paper, and it and we weren't wrong. Jason Kidd ended up one of the what best thirty players of all time in the NBA. I'm probably maybe yeah. higher, right? Yeah, top twenty players of all time in the NBA. Uh, Jim Jackson was a good NBA player. Jamal Mashburn was a good player. And what failed those guys? Like, why didn't it come together? There's a lot of things, by the way, but I think chief among them was culture it was how they played together their personalities how they mixed and you know i hope for the best um i don't know i don't know how this is going to shake out with luca and christophs 
whoever else ends up being a core component of this, Jalen or DeLon or whoever's a core component of this going forward, um, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I, I'm, I'm optimistic and hopeful, but I also know just exactly how volatile, rare, and important it is as well. Right. And look, just, and I mean, that we have a while, we have a ways off before we have to even start worrying about that. But, I mean, let, just branching off of that, let's move into this next topic, and uh, we won't have to worry about any of our <laughs> any of the Mavs' best players leaving anytime soon. Uh, but, Will, the preseason just ended. They went 2-3, and three, started out sluggish. I don't know how much of the preseason you were able to watch, or if you didn't, I mean, you may not have watched any of it. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, what are your initial thoughts getting to see Luca and KP play together? Was it everything you thought it was? Uh, did it did it change your expectations for this upcoming season? Well, yes, because really the only game I got to see much of was the Clippers game, the final preseason <laughs> game. So if you saw that, I would say you're going to be pretty excited, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why did it change your expectations? Because that looked awesome. That looked great. Um, you know, here's the thing. The Mavericks – look great on paper. I laid it out today on the Will Kane show, my predictions for this NBA season. I gave the Mavs the eighth seed in the West. Um, what's their Vegas over-under right now? Is it 41? Four, yeah, 40? I, think, I think it's right there at 41, maybe 41 and a half. Um, the Mavericks are popular. You know, there's a lot of hype around the Mavericks. Um, sites like The Ringer love the Mavericks. Uh, basketball writers who are into analytics and talk about the next big thing. I've always loved Luca and loved the Mavericks. And all that makes me nervous. <laughs> because um, generally I think it's not it's not it's not a um, it's not a rule that you, you need to follow strictly, but I think it's a decent guidepost that if everybody's saying one thing, you at least need to consider the other side of it. If it doesn't live up to expectations, if it doesn't go over 41 wins, if it don't get the eighth seed in the playoffs, it's not a failure. The only thing that matters this season is do Luca and Kristaps stay healthy and look like exactly what we expect them to be, the core components of a championship-level contending team over some period of time that's really all that matters in the end playoffs would be nice they would be fun but nobody thinks this is a contending team yet at the end of this whole thing i just want to see are those two guys what we think they can be the one and two on a championship team right and i mean i and i think i think that they will be that because they showed you flashes all throughout preseason now KP, he wasn't very efficient, but, you know, he's still knocking off rust when a guy hasn't played in, what, 20 months. Uh, you know, he still needs to work his way completely back from that. But, uh, Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this, and then you can lead us into our next topic. But it seems like the one sure thing is that Luca and KP are going to, you know, be a force to be reckoned with if they're healthy. But they need another guy – to be consistent or they need to have a group effort on on most nights aside from those two because you could tell when both of those players were off the court during the preseason sometimes it would fall off and then sometimes they'd be okay if a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. was hitting shots so I mean who do you think you know really needs to step up this season to keep them on track when those two players aren't on the court well I think it has to be one of two guys, um, 
and it's not Tim Hardaway Jr. because if you have to rely on him, I think you're going to be in trouble. Um, I, th- I think it has to be Jalen Brunson and Seth Curry because of their ability to shoot, their ability to handle the ball, hit big shots. Both of those guys have hit big shots in their career. Jalen, you know, even though the games didn't quote-unquote matter at the end of the year last year, he was a very important part of the team, and he hit a lot of big shots. When Berea, when Berea went down with that Achilles injury, he took full advantage of that. And, I mean, just going off what we saw in the preseason, it looked like he you know, he got even better over the summer. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really excited about him. Uh, Will, have you, what are your thoughts on Brunson? Or really, even if it's not Brunson or Hardaway Jr. or Seth Curry, who do you think needs to step up for this Mavs team aside from Luka and KP? Okay, first on Jalen Brunson, I am excited. He's one of the guys you can pour hope into. He's one of the guys that you can pour optimism to. I, I believe that Seth Curry is as well. I made that passing comment a little bit earlier that, who knows, maybe Jalen Brunson is one of the leaders of this team, the culture setters of this team. Look, he was on a national championship team at Villanova, right? Yes. And so far throughout his professional career, I think it looks like Brunson has – exceeded expectations every step of the way and continued to. Every time the bar goes up, he goes a little bit higher. Every time we think, oh, is that Brunson's ceiling? He's pushed it higher. And he's doing this still at a young guy in the league. So Brunson um, could absolutely be one of these guys. But here's my theory. I'll see what you guys think of this. Everybody, the answer to your question, Dalton, is everybody. And I don't mean that as a cop-out, though. But it, but it is everybody, because everybody has to play essentially one slot higher than we think they are. So I don't. it could have been one of you two. I follow a lot of you guys and others to cover the Mavericks. And I'm not going to remember who tweeted this or wrote this. But the Mavericks are essentially missing that third guy, right, that third component to a championship-level team, whoever it may be. We're asking guys – who really aren't a third-best player on a playoff team or a contending team to be that. Maybe it's Brunson. Maybe it's Curry. Maybe it's Jackson. Maybe it's Wright. Those guys are really good players. Everyone agrees, and they're great rounding out the roster on a good team, a really good team. But like, if we think of Justin Jackson as a fifth or sixth-best player on the team, right now I think the Mavericks are asking him to be the fourth best player on the team they're asking him to be one slot higher than he really belongs so let me round this out when i say everybody luca's got to take one step up now right he's got to prove to us that he actually is a top 10 player in the nba yeah and maybe a little early for that but that's what we need from luca Kristaps has got to show us he's back to being a top 20 player in the nba where people thought he was going to be and we're already starting to put him before he got hurt with the knicks and then as you go down the roster you know, I really don't know who that third best guy is. Delon Wright? I don't know. He's got to be that. And that's not what we really like. No objective person would say that Delon Wright is the third best player on a a playoff level team. But we need him to be. Or we need Curry to be or Jackson to be. So I think everybody has to play one step up from what we realistically think they are. Right. And, I mean, my thing is I have – you, you you always have to hope that some of your younger players can take that next step. And definitely Luca's at the top of that list. But I have a little bit more hope for guys like Justin Jackson and Jalen Brunson uh, to take a little bit of a leap because, you know, Jackson, it's only his – he's entering his third year in the league. And he spent the majority of his time in Sacramento. So – 
I'm really, I'm really curious to see what he can do in a full season under Rick Carlisle, uh, playing with two other guys like Luca and KP, and just just see if he can, you know, kind of take that next step. And then Brunson, it's only his second season. He's still young. I mean, I, I still have hope for guys like Seth Curry and Delon Wright and Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell. But I mean, they're they're all what around 27 28 years old all of them so i mean I, there, there's more room for growth with some of the younger guys yeah but also i don't know how much we're going to be thinking about this going forward but the mavericks have to be prepared to be aggressive if they so say and this is going to lead us into our next topic but so say the mavericks at near the all-star break are four games above 500 and they say look if we just finish out this last couple of months of the season strong we're a playoff team and that's going to be attractive in free agency what do they do to take the to take the next step necessary to to make sure that that happens do they get aggressive in the trade market i mean i don't know so I, I think that's a big that's also a big thing to consider when you're going into the to the new season is what's going to be available. Obviously, you know, uh, Buddy Heald we thought might be on the move. He just signed a new deal. Uh, Sabonis just signed a new deal. So it's just going to be really interesting to me uh, to see what kind of moves they can make in the sum or during the regular season, if any at all, because they don't really have a lot of assets that they're going to want to part with either. Right. No, they have a bit of, they have a bit of, they have volume, but I don't know if they have volume in the young potential filled upside assets. Look, positions don't matter. I heard you guys. I was watching you guys talk with uh, Mike Fisher about what you expect the starting lineup to be. Right. And my expectation would be it's it's Justin Jackson at essentially the three. I mean, positions at this point, it's it's hard to yeah. even say what I'm talking about is an off ball three and D wing guy who can spot up and doesn't need plays drawn up for him. who You can kick out to and plays really good defense. Right. A player yeah. like that. While Luke and Kristaps initiate everything. And um, we're hoping I'm hoping that Justin Jackson is some version of that. And I know that he shot well in the preseason. I know that he's not a you know necessarily great defender, but he looks the part. I guess that's the thing in the end. He's young and he looks the part, right? He's tall. He's rangy. He's right. a three. And um, if it's not – this is what I'm getting at. If it's not Justin Jackson, then Matt, to your point, like what do we do? Because that's the third guy. To me, when you add the third guy to this team and you're saying, okay, Luke and Kristaps are the core components, what finishes it off? Because I actually think the rest of this roster looks great, four through nine, four through ten, right? That third guy, I think he's got to fill those boxes that I'm assigning to Jackson, right? And I don't know who – I think Danny Green would have been great on this team, right? Um, Absolutely. Like a young, uh, don't remind me. <laughs> a young version of Danny Green, right? I don't and, um but at the same time, look, I thought – I know everybody's like, yeah, Zion would look good on any team. But Zion would have been – like just, a, you know, somebody to, to roll hard. A Draymond type. That's, you know, either a 3 and D or like a Draymond. And, of course, Draymond's one of a kind, so there's no Draymond types. But, but I do wonder, like, at the trade deadline of free agency, what is that third guy? How is this thing rounded out if it does come back at, oh, one and two – 
Luke and Kristaps are right now. What finishes up? But by the way, I never thought it was Kimba. I never truly got that as the third component. Right. Yeah, and I mean, another thing that I don't think is being thought about a lot, I, I can't even, I, I told Matt this the other day, but I can't even, like, start thinking about potential trades, like, in real depth. Not in le- not at least until we get a few weeks into the season. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, one thing that people aren't thinking about, too, whether the Mavs make the playoffs or not this year, they own this year's pick in the draft. So, uh, if they do make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed, uh, or if they miss it or whatever, you know, they're worst case scenario, they're going to have a middle of the first round, if not better pick, uh, this year. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, that, that could be used as a, as a trade asset on, uh, on draft night, they could keep it and maybe find another guy, another young guy to, uh, to grow with the, the already young core, so I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot more options there. Uh, like you said, as far as the the trade assets right now, uh, it's a little bit bare. But I mean, I don't know. You you never know. I mean, honestly, I didn't think the Mavericks would end up with Kristaps Porzingis for <laughs> for what they traded last year, but it ended up happening. So I've I've learned not to underestimate Donnie Nelson. But we'll see how it goes, Matt. Well, you know, speaking of of Donnie and putting a team together. I mean this this whole this whole roster is almost completely brand new. I mean, yeah, they've got pieces like Jalen and and uh Dwight Powell and Maxi, but as far as the key contributors go, everybody that's uh gonna be a major contributor for the most part has been acquired in the last year. So we don't really know what to expect after a whole off season of everything that's been going on and being in Rick's system for as long as they have been now, you know, finally with a chance to, to put everything together over a summer. So now that they have, have had that, well, what I want to know is what is your final Mavs record prediction? And I, I know you have them in the, you said you had them in the eight seed, but what, I mean, what, how many wins do you think it's going to take to get them there? Yeah. Um, so, let's see what I, if I do this at forty-four and thirty-eight, right? right? My that's my right. That's about where I have them, and I think that would do it. I think you're going to have a, a, a dogfight with whatever Greg Popovich manages to put together in San Antonio, which will always be better than you expect. I think the Kings are growing and getting better, and I actually think um, Darren Fox takes a step forward, which will be kind of scary. Um, and who am I forgetting? There's one more right there in that that cat that range. Pelicans, Pelicans. with a healthy Zion, maybe? Nah, I think missing two months <laughs> of Zion is going to be too much for the Pelicans to be in it. Not the Suns yet, not the, not the Pelicans, not the Grizzlies. Uh, I know we're missing somebody. Feels like I it. know we are too. I know, <laughs> right there in that eight, nine, ten range. I personally could see the Portland Trailblazers falling down in that range, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of. <laughs> I put I put the Blazers in as my seventh seed. The thing is, the Blazers are always doubted and always come back and exceed expectations. Like every year, we write them off. And last year, I mean, their playoff performance was one of the best we've seen in some time. Um, no, that's it. That's it. 
Timberwolves, I mean, maybe? Okay, OKC? Oh, Wolves, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wolves would be in that range. So it would be um, San Antonio, Sacramento, Minnesota, Dallas fighting them for that for that eighth seed. And I think Dallas can do it. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I, I did a when when the schedule when the full schedule was released, I I was looking at it month by month, and uh, you know how many back to backs they have, and uh, who they play, when they play them, and all that stuff. And after I got to the very end of it, I was right there close to where you're at. I I did I put them at a forty five and thirty seven officially, and I mean. Anytime we're doing this, and I'm sure you probably did it too, Will, but I mean, you have to put an asterisk on on these things, and you know, say if they stay healthy, relatively healthy at least, um, because I mean, we know Porzingis at least to start the season, he's not going to play on back to backs, and you know, there's thirteen thirteen back to backs for the Mavs this season. So, worst case scenario, even if he stays, you know, as healthy as we hope he's probably going to end up missing between 10 to 13 games. Uh, but, I mean, I still think they can do it. Uh, I think they can win about 45, sneak into the playoffs, and who knows? You get Rick Carlisle in a playoff playoff series, and, you know, anything can happen. Matt? Yeah, I had, uh, I had him at 43 and 39, so I think we're all pretty much in the same range. Um, I, I, Will, I can't remember if I heard it on your show or if I heard it somewhere else. Um I, I mean, when I'm at the office, I, I listen to pretty much everything, so it all kind of runs together. But um, somebody said that they did have uh, the Warriors making the playoffs, and I never even thought that was a possibility. So if the Warriors drop out, then, I mean, there's going to be teams that drop out, and that's going to give the Mavs opportunity to go up. It's going to be OKC and possibly Golden State. And, uh, you know, there's there's a couple others, I'm sure. Um, San Antonio. San Antonio, yeah. So, it, I mean, there, there's opportunity there. But I do think they make the eight seed. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't on my show. Um, but as I was walking out of work tonight, the show that used to follow me, um, which is um, the, the gambling show, um, uh, Doug Kazarian, the host of Behind the Bets on, he and I were talking. We were actually talking about the Mavs. And, over-unders today. We're having a conversation about over-unders. So these guys are taking the under on the Mavs. And the reason why it was the hype train, they just thought it was too much, that the Mavs were too popular. And um, he brought up the Warriors, to your point. Um, could the Warriors miss the playoffs? Like Clay's out for almost the whole season, possibly the whole season. Draymond is going to have to do more offensively. And um, let's see how D'Angelo Russell f- fills in. You know, in the meantime, but I still think Steph is amazing, and he's going to go crazy this year. Matt, I don't remember if it was you or our buddy Kirk Henderson. It may have been both of you guys, but <laughs> I remember back when uh, uh, NBA 2K came out, and you know, I, I I don't do much of that my player stuff. I just sometimes I'll go on there and I'll just simulate a full season just to see, you know, what happens. And obviously, the Warriors don't have KD anymore, and uh, you know, Clay's injured and everything, and it got to the end. And it's, uh, Steph Curry was averaging, he won MVP, averaging 42 points a game. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, with, with that roster, I mean, would we really be that shocked if he averaged, you know, 34, 35 points a game? Oh, They're going to have to. I don't, there's not too much defense. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could definitely see the Warriors being a team that falls out. 
I mean, I'm not going to doubt them too much because, I mean, they are champions. And, I mean, I, I could see them fighting and getting into one of those last spots. But uh, it's going to be a fight for the Mavs. And, you know, we all it finally gets underway tomorrow. Real NBA basketball games. Uh, so after a couple of weeks, we'll be able to assess this, you know, in, in greater depth. But, guys, we're going to finish out on this topic and we'll we'll start with you, but tomorrow when the Mavs open against the Wizards, give me give me one bold prediction for opening night. Mm, one bold prediction for opening night. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you can't really you can't do anything with Luca unless I say he's going to go off to like forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. How about? How about um, I'm trying to pick between Jackson? Cle- I'm going to go. Kleba is is it bold enough to say Kleba has twenty? Is that bold? That would be pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> For open, yeah, that is. Hey, no, Dwight Powell, Kleba gets the, gets the minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, yeah. How about that? Hey, if that happens, I'll be ecstatic, and I'd. I think it'd be safe to say that the Mavs would get a W if that happens. So, <laughs> Matt, what's yours? Ooh, so I was thinking I was going to go with Seth, um, but when Will mentioned, mentioned uh, Justin Jackson, who is a great friend of our pod, by the way, um, I think he's going to. I think he's going to go um, four or five from three. He's going to get about eight rebounds and finish with between 15 and 18 points. And then everybody can shut up about his, about his rebounding and be excited about him. Cause I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And I, I want to see how he, cause I'm pretty sure he's going to be the one matched up on Bradley Beal. So I'm really excited to see that too. Yeah. Coming out party for Justin Jackson. I love it. Uh, well, look, I'm going a little bit different direction with mine and will, you probably don't know this yet. I don't, we haven't been, or you haven't been following me long enough uh, to know it yet. But I have this thing every single season, and it's the versus Mavs All Stars. It's the guys that you know the Mavs play that nobody knows about. That just they they tend to go off on the Mavs no matter what. And I think Ish Smith is going to be that guy. <laughs> I hope I hope I'm wrong. I'm just looking at this Wizard roster, and I. I'm thinking like, okay, John Wall, he's out. Isaiah Thomas, he's out. So that puts Ish Smith as a third-string starting point guard. And I'm not saying that the Wizards are going to beat the Mavs. I think the Mavs will win handily, but I just I feel like Ish Smith is going to is going to go off and keep it close for a little bit. You went with the other squad for your prediction. Matt and I were trying to find the third star on the Mavericks tomorrow <laughs> night, and you're going with Ish Smith? Man, I, I, I can't help it. I, it's ingrained in my in my mind. I just Every time they go and play a team and everybody's saying, oh, well, they're just going to manhandle the Wizards, I'm thinking like, uh, <laughs> there's somebody on that team that's going to scare us a little bit. But. I, I mean, well, this this is science. We're, we're we're not making this up. You know, you can go down the list. It's uh, it's DJ Augustine. It's uh, Julius Randall. Like thank a, thank God that TJ Warren left the Suns and went to the to a different conference. Like <laughs> I got so tired of being torched by that guy. But <laughs> but look, 
that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Will, we really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us talking Mavs as always. And, I mean, we'll have to definitely do it again in the future. We really appreciate it, man. You bet, guys. It's a new season. It's a new time. This is going to be fun. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you later, Will. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks, Will. All right, guys. Again, that was Will Kane, host of The Will Kane Show on ESPN. He's a repeat guest here, good friend of the podcast, and Matt and I always enjoy having him on to talk Mavs basketball, among other things. So really appreciate him taking the time, and uh, we know you guys enjoy hearing him as well. That's going to do it for another edition of the Step Back Mavs podcast. We really appreciate all of you who come in and listen to us every single week. We hope you're just as excited for this Mavs season as we are, and it all gets underway for real tomorrow night against the Washington Wizards. So you guys be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube as well. Uh, If you subscribe to the Step Back on YouTube, it automatically enters you for a chance to win two tickets to a Mavs game of your choice this season. Uh, we're only doing this until we get to a thousand subs. So uh, we've we've got close to 400 right now, which means you know 600 more uh, subscribers can be entered into this contest. So be sure to do that. A lot of good content coming up uh, on our YouTube channel this season. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff up on MavsSI.com. So uh, stick with us there. We'll keep you covered all season long. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next time. Uh, a lot of times feel like I was on the road to nowhere. Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them. Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track where I fit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses. Feeling like Mass 2019, grinding unfocused. I used to go to bed at night, this current so hopeless. Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with. Now I'm reading all these hate comments, man, it got I'm in motion. I had to whip up the potion, I ain't need you with the boasting, I was just broken. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.